So who owns the data rights? We'll stick around to, and on tonight's episode, we're gonna talk about just that. But first, good evening, Agile Acquisition Enthusiasts. Welcome back to the Underground Digital Tiki Bar. It's Friday night, and that means it's time for another episode of Agile Acquisitions and Alcohol. Cheers. All right. When we're talking about intellectual property and data rights, when doing business with the government, it's very complicated stuff. Full disclosure, I am not an attorney and I'm not playing one on this YouTube video, but I will give you some ideas and lessons learned about how to think about intellectual property. First, to understand where we are today, we need to back up a little bit. As part of the efforts under the digital service and other innovative factory, software factory groups, uh, developing agile software programs within the government, a lot of really good work was done to help the government understand how to build technology differently. And then what do you do with those rights? Because historically, the government was buying software development services, but not understanding that they needed to negotiate to keep those rights. Now, FAR Part 27 and DFAR 227, or 227, um, cover the standard rights and provision, or clauses and provisions around data rights, but they're always negotiable. And so generally what was happening is vendors that were more savvy were negotiating better rights or more favorable rights, and the government was ending up what we call locked into a solution because they didn't own the software that they paid to have developed. And that's not right, no pun intended. But now that we've transitioned to more modern approaches, we have agile teams, we have multiple teams coming in and building sort of niche solutions, the transition of data rights or the owning of data rights becomes more relevant and something that the government has gotten very savvy on dealing with. When we think about data rights, you have three main categories. You have unlimited rights, meaning anybody can use the resulting software for any purpose. You have government purpose rights, which means the government can use the re resulting software or data for their purposes, but other companies can't use it. And it means the company that developed it can still turn around and sell that data or, those, or, those, or the resulting software to anyone they choose. And then you have restricted rights. There are other nuances within those categories, but those are the three main categories you're thinking about. Well, now we're kind of in this phase where the next chapter of software delivery in the government is being written and there's more adoption or more looking at commercial solutions that are scalable for government purposes. And in the beginning, there's generally a discovery phase or a learning of how to adapt that technology to the specific needs because the government is a very big organization and they have a lot of bespoke systems and networks and all of those have unique requirements as well as security requirements that will have to be met in order for software to run. And so even a truly commercial solution may require some adaptation to be able to run or operate in those environments. So when I think about how to sell or how to use a commercial or otherwise proprietary solution in the government, I generally think of it this way. In whatever way the company is investing their own money into developing the capability or technology, the company should consider asserting restricted rights, meaning they paid for it, it's their software, and the government is essentially licensing or paying to use it. Oftentimes, however, in order to use it, as I mentioned, APIs will have to be developed to connect 
the proprietary solution to the government's networks or existing systems. If that's being done under a government contract, there's no reason not to issue those under government purpose rights. And there's a couple reasons to think of it that way. Uh, one, the government's paying for it, so they should probably have some sort of rights in it. And two, as a company with a proprietary solution, it's actually in your best interest to make it as accessible and usable to as broad of a government market as possible. And attempting to resell to them APIs uh, that they've already paid to have developed in one, in, in one instance to use it in another just really doesn't make sense for anybody. And finally, uh, you could argue that the API without the proprietary solution isn't likely of much value anyway. Uh, so that's generally how I think of it. When it comes to unlimited rights, I generally would refrain from entering into an agreement like that unless it was specifically something that the government was paying for development services like we're seeing in the software factories and other innovative groups of technology delivery within the government. So that's kind of how I break down in my own way of, of how to think about delivering data rights or maintaining and protecting data rights. It's incredibly important and it's important for government contracting officers to recognize that you want to incentivize non-traditional companies to point their technology towards government problems and that's going to be much easier to do if the companies know that their data rights are protected. So there you have it, a little deep dive into data rights and the three main areas, which are unlimited government purpose rights and restricted rights. I hope you found this helpful and interesting. And if you did, give me a thumbs up and remember to subscribe. And until next week, cheers. 